Hello and welcome to Screen Babble, your guide to what to watch. We'll be tuning into hours and hours of TV so we can tell you what you need to be switching on and what's to be avoided. I'm your host Kelly Crichton and as ever our resident TV critics Stephen Rass and Benjamin Jackson are here and I'm delighted to say this is a really exciting episode. We are looking back on the year that was considering our favourite shows and potentially giving you some ideas for some more festive viewing if you have the time on your hands. Remember if you want to see our faces you can head over to Freeview Channel 276 Shots which is brought to you by a network of journalists across the country who are transforming stories at the heart of your community into great TV. You'll find true crime stories, football news and analysis, plus coverage of lifestyle, TV, film, and much more. So, this is exciting. We get to talk about programmes we love this year. To be fair, this episode could probably go on for like two or three hours, but we're going to try and keep to normal time. So we've decided we're all going to talk about two things and then maybe give some honourable mentions as well at the end. And uh, we're going to focus on things that were new this year rather than like, oh, we watched this really... Like I wanted to do Yellow Jackets, but actually I'd only seen the first series and it wasn't new this year. So I thought I won't do that. Stephen, you're up first. What are your two shows of the year? Okay, well, there's been a lot, hasn't there, this year? There's actually been more good stuff than bad, even though there's been a lot of rubbish shows as well. Mm. But... I think for me, The Last of Us, which actually debuted in January 2023, yeah. so pretty much a year ago now. I know, it's mm. bizarre. That was, yeah, fantastic. I think because it was a video game adaptation and it was really good, you yeah. know, video game adaptations are normally a bit of a cursed chalice, a poisoned chalice, even Assassin's Creed, etc. They're normally not all that yeah. good. This one was actually fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Anything Paul W. S. Anderson did, video mm. game wise, maybe not. But it's it's been a good year for video game adaptations, really, because you had the Super Mario Bros. movie as well, didn't you? Which was, I think, one which of which was probably my favorite film of the year, and one of the highest grossing really? of the year as well. I loved it. Um, got I loved it. a lot of acclaim, but yeah, The Last of Us obviously a bit different to Super Mario Bros. It's set following a, a global pandemic caused by some sort of mushroom spore that turns people into, well, I don't think they're actually called zombies, but they're basically zombies. Mm-hmm. Mushroom zombies. Taken over by this mushroom virus. And you have these two survivors at the centre of it, Pedro Pascal, whose daughter was killed very early into the uh, into the pandemic who takes on almost an adopted daughter in the form of Bella Ramsey, who, who is immune or seemingly immune to the mushroom spore thing. And, and the series becomes a sort of American road trip with Pedro Pascal taking Bella Ramsey under his wing and trying to get her to a sanctuary where they can hopefully use her to, to find a cure. And along the way, they encounter this sort of communist-style community that has built itself a safe haven. They stay there for a little bit, and we, we find Pedro Pascal reuniting with some of his former friends and family. And then we go to this other, what seems like it could be a utopian society that becomes very dystopian and, you know, very cannibally and very fucked up. And... Is probably one of the best episodes of the series, or the best episode of the series, features some insane performances by Bella Ramsey and by Pascal. And by the end of the series, we're left on a sort of quite a low note, and we're waiting for season two, which, because of the uh, SAG-AFTRA 
strikes and the WGA strikes is not expected until 2025. But the first season essentially adapted the first video game and the second season, when it does come out, will adapt the second video game. And for those who aren't familiar with the games, I think the second season will be quite shocking, quite brutal, um, and also very good. But yeah, I think what I loved about The Last of Us was the the just performances from Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey and Nick Offerman in the one-off episode that he's in. Probably my favourite episode. They just, they knock it out of the park and it's a really good sort of soft horror series that's just, yeah, it's got a bit of everything for that genre. I think what surprised people about it is, although it was, you know, hotly anticipated, you know, but I think what definitely surprised me about it was, you know, that sort of stereotypical sort of blokey kind of video game thing that you expect, you know, violence, shoot them up, you know, misogyny, blah, blah, blah. And then this kind of turned it on its head, you know, and there's so much more depth to it. And I absolutely loved the standalone episodes, the the love story right in the middle of it, mm. like was so powerful. It was so ingenious. It was brought us back down to earth about like what being alive is about or what living, truly living is about in, in amidst all this action and zombies where you can kind of forget, you know, it becomes sort of fantasy. But then that sort of brought us back down to earth. And yeah, it was really powerful and absolutely amazing performances. Is this a game you would have played, Benji, before? What, what was your take on it? I mean, I, I loved it. It gave, it basically gave me a newfound hope that video game adaptations can be good. Mm. Uh, like I cut in earlier on saying that, you know, it's not just the myriad of Paul W.S. Anderson doing Resident Evil movies or Uwe Boll doing that. It was legitimately good. And I think it also demonstrated that video games can be a... Well, saying this to gamers is like preaching to the converted. Video games have always been a great source material for like fiction in terms of like mm. how the storytelling is good. Mm. And um, I mean, for me, the biggest bonus with The Last of Us is that uh, a video get a former video game producer called Hideo Kojima saw it, realized, oh, it can be done really well. So we're now going to get an adaptation of Death Stranding starring Norman Reedus uh, in the near future which is mm. going to be produced by A24. So thank you, The Last of Us, for that, for basically reinstalling our faith. Another game I'm not familiar with, but hopefully we'll be talking about that next year, Benji, and you can do some uh, a little preview for us on um, the deep dive. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, ultimately, The Last of Us, you didn't have to be a fan of the video no. games to appreciate it. It was just such a good story by itself. Um, so good. And just being a video game fan, it's just nice that it was faithful to the source material. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. cool. Great. Yes, absolutely. I think everyone, most people, 99% of people are in agreement. The Last of Us is great. Okay, what else, Stephen? What's your number two? Well, this is actually probably my number one. I think this is my favourite show of the year. Okay. Um, and it is A Small Light, which was mm. released on Disney Plus in May. And it followed mm. uh, Mia Guys, the woman who, along with a few others, helped to hide the Frank family and Frank, Otto Frank, etc., in Holland during mm. the Nazi occupation. And goddamn, man, it is an emotional, very moving, very well directed series um, about a character from history that you don't necessarily know a lot about. I mean, obviously, everyone knows Anne Frank, but. Um, mm. 
I think it's sort of assumed by people that haven't really done any deeper research into it that the Frank family sort of hid in an attic and would occasionally like go out and forage for food and it was basically a self-contained system but it was very much tied into the resistance movement and they would not have been able to survive without outsiders in the world helping them um Mm -hmm. obviously sadly most of them didn't survive in the end otto frank was the only member of the frank family to survive the war and the holocaust um but I think the idea of the series is very much about maintaining humanity in a world of inhumanity. And that's sort of mm-hmm. the small light of the title. It's very funny as well, which you wouldn't expect for an unfrank drama series, but it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks at sort of the day-to-day of the family as they're, essentially hold up for years in a fairly small space. Um, the bickering that goes on between them, the sort of everyday conversations. It's very good. And you also see a bit of um parallel story with Mia Geis's partner who is working for the uh, Dutch resistance uh, attempting to blow up like Nazi archives and, and things like that to disrupt the war effort. And it's a very good look at how people that didn't need to resist the Nazis because they were part of the, you know, Aryan locks, they would have been relatively fine, risked their lives to disrupt the Nazi regime and to help their friends. And it also looks at the people that on the opposite side of the track don't feel like they can do that. It's a great, great, great series um, with fantastic cast as well. Belle Powley is amazing as me. You're a bit of a history buff. Like, do you think it sort of would appeal to history buffs more or do you think it's quite accessible? Oh, yeah, for sure. I, th- I, I think it looks like it's quite hard to get into, but it, it's not. It's a very universal story of sort of a friend who helps out her friends in the face of like massive cost and risk but you know it, it you don't need to have a very coherent understanding of the history of the time to 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 understand what's going on and is it dramatized to some extent obviously yeah i'm not sure how yeah. much um the okay. partner jan geis is um i think his story might have been somewhat embellished okay i don't i don't think he was a huge mover in the resistance movement and how many episodes and is it still it's on netflix is that right no it's disney oh, no, plus disney plus yes yeah, sorry eight episodes okay cool brilliant also very different so thank you for that mm-hmm. um my first show and again i'm kind of cheating with this one because i've not actually finished the second series so i'm kind of cheating but it's the bear because mm-hmm. i feel like the bear i didn't watch the first series when it first came out I watched it this year and I'm nearly through the second series and I was trying to get through it, but I just didn't get there in the end. But I just love what they do in The Bear. I just think it's so different to anything else that's that's on TV. If listeners do not know what The Bear is, it's an American comedy created by Christopher Storer. And it first series came out in June 22. And the main character is Carmi, played by Jeremy Allen White, who is a young award winning chef. And he comes back to Chicago to run his brother's sandwich shop after he dies by suicide. 
and basically kind of inherits a bit of a shit show. Um, you know, staff who are kind of rule themselves and the business is in a major financial trouble and he's got all these interesting characters around him. Again, some stellar performances, like really good acting. You know, when like, when people get like characters that annoy you, like really annoy you, like that is good acting usually, you know. So his cousin is played by Eben Moss Backrack. He is so annoying. He's such a a-hole in the thing. <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's kind of the charm, part of the charm of it. And yes, episode, or sorry, series two came back this year and the season finale of series one is outstanding. I just loved it. It was a little bit Hollywood maybe for some people, but I absolutely, absolutely loved it. And I don't want to give away too much in case people haven't watched it, but series two kind of feels like it's actually grown a little, like it's it's moved on from series one where it's like situational and, you know, just trying to get the restaurant back on track. Whereas series two is kind of exploring the people and their relationships. And there's one lovely sort of almost standalone episode where one of the chefs goes off to train as a patisserie dessert chef in Europe. And it's so gentle and insightful and it's it's such a different, you know, pacing change to the first series where it's like, oh my God, really intense kitchen drama, you know, almost like Boiling Point or whatever. So yeah, highly recommend and really great music. Oh, the soundtrack is absolutely fantastic. And yeah, it's got it all. It's got like, you know, money, drugs, guns, but that's not really the main thing. Food, love, family, all the stuff. So um, yeah, highly recommend. Okay, so my second program is and this is probably no surprise to most people succession yeah so succession sadly came to a finale a finish an end it's over done uh in 2023 and uh whilst we were very sad to see it go it was fantastic it was so good it was one of those endings where you're like it was always going to end this way, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, I love the fact that it was such a downbeat kind of ending where uh, especially yeah. like the, the final two characters holding hands in the car and realising, yep, we're stuck in this position now, aren't we? They yeah. could have gone with a super happy ending for Succession, but I love the fact that it stayed true to its roots and decided, no, you're getting a downer. You're 100% getting a downer. Yeah, I feel like, you know, they maybe went almost back to the start. They are, they're almost all still in the same position they are at the start by the end of it. So spoiler alert, if you haven't watched Succession, people, we are going to talk some spoilers now. So basically... Are we? Oh, you better cover your ears. I've not watched it. Oh, come on. Listen, I'm not waiting till next no, Christmas okay, that's to do fine. this. You, so. you, I'm just going to... I tell you what, I, no, 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 no. I tell you what, I won't give it away. It's fine. But I am going to... You just have to like... Not pay too much attention, okay? I won't give you away the big spoilers. Anyway, so we have the family. We have the the patriarch, Logan Roy, played by Brian Cox. And yeah, essentially the final series is what what you think is going to happen, happens. (laughs) And the three kids are left. Well, he's got four kids, but his eldest, Connor, who is played by, oh my God, what's his name? That's Alan Rudd. What's his name now? Alan Rock. Alan Rock. Rock. That was close. Yeah. 
Forever Cameron Fry in yeah. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. He is kind of like, it is never really properly explained why he's kind of like the out- outsider. But anyway, he's not, it's the three kids. I guess they had a different mom to the three kids. And so you've Kendall, Roman and Siobhan. And again, just to mention, like just the performances are absolutely out of this world. Jeremy Strong is Kendall, Kieran Culkin is Roman and Sarah Snook is Siobhan. And actually, do you know what? It doesn't even stop there. Like Matthew McFadden, who plays Tom, Siobhan's husband, is brilliant. And and uh, the comedic role, he's kind, he's semi-comedic. And then we've got Nicholas Braun as Greg, the cousin, who is completely comedic. He's Logan's grandnephew, also employed by the company. But yeah, just outstanding. And they've, they were all winning awards, weren't they, for their acting and, and whatnot. But yeah, so... I think there's not an awful lot to say. Again, a bit like The Last of Us, it has had huge critical acclaim for its writing, acting, humour, music, directing, production values, everything. You know, it's it's examination of the, the subject matter, which is essentially big, bad media company, people with loads of money and no morals. These kids trying to impress their dad and be the people, be the person to take over the company and eating themselves and eating everyone around them in an effort to do it. And, you know, in in walk various different characters to sort of try and be part of it or take it over or whatever. And the last series is very much about this big, big threat of the company being sold and the kids sort of bending together to stop it from happening much to actually their own detriment, like they're actually, it's actually, they make this, they would make a killing in this sale, but they decide they want it and therefore nobody else is going to have it. They don't make an actual decision based on financial gain, which no. is, just says it all, really. They go to kind of new lows in the, in the last series and particularly the last episode is like a roller coaster <laughs> of what is going to happen, what isn't going to happen. And at the end, it's very Shakespearean and... I think it couldn't have gone any other way. And it's, I, I found it, I thought it was very satisfying anyway and great performances. So highly recommend. And honestly, Stephen, I don't know what you have to do to watch it, but you're going to have to watch it like soon. <laughs> I need to get access to it. I mean, it's not not on anything, is it? It's on... Whatever whatever is it's on, I feel like we should do a whip round and pay for you to get us for a month. A, a month's <laughs> so worth of it. Now TV for you. A Sky, a Sky Atlantic, <laughs> I'm sure it's on Sky Atlantic. It'll be Sky. Well, do yeah, what, be Sky. You know, it might be in your uh, your Santa stocking, Stephen, a subscription. Maybe. So anyway, I had some stuff here that I was going to talk about that I can't now because of Stephen. <laughs> so that's the end of that. But they're my two anyway. I absolutely love them. And I'll give you some honourable mentions in a while. Benji, over to you. Well, I mean, Tell like, us. we can't talk about 2023 without talking about the finale of Ted Lasso on Apple TV+. Plus. Mm. I mean, I know that in some regards, there, it was quite predictable, some of the ends of the storylines involved. But just because something is predictable doesn't necessarily mean that it was bad. Uh, no. And I love how it was just this incredibly warm, you know, dealt with Ted this year, dealing with homesickness, also dealt with Nate's redemption arc. It did feel a little bit like it was speed running towards the end because we do or do not know if there's going to be a new season, if Jason Mm. Sudeikis is going to be involved in it or not, or if, you know, Mm. the, the character of Ted Lasso incredibly popular, but... It was the supporting cast as well that made Ted Lasso just incredible. Phil Dunster as Jamie Tart, uh, Brett Goldstein as uh, Roy Kent, 
Uh, Friend of the podcast. Is he? What, Brett Goldstein? Well, well, I met him once, so yeah, he is. (laughs) Hi, Brett. Hi. Uh, (laughs) Thanks for listening. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, Nick Mohammed, of course, is Nate the Grey. And it was just such a real feel-good moment that as much as I do want there to be a brand new season spun off from Ted Lasso. Maybe it's Roykin and uh, Nate trying to manage the the team. We love a spin-off. Yeah, we do love a spin-off. If it ended like that, I'd, I'd be more than happy to end it like that. So, I mean, that was one of my highlights. And the other one, amidst an absolute shower of problems that the Marvel Cinematic Universe has had, cinematically this year loki season two was definitely a high point on the mcu calendar uh tom hiddleston and owen wilson returning once again this time to try Mm -hmm. and solve the problem of uh the entire kind of universe at the time variance authority are based in to stop it imploding and ending existence as we know it um controversially jonathan majors was in it and he actually was quite good in that regardless of his court case and and allegations aside kang was still portrayed as quite a strong character and his variant victor timely was portrayed as quite a sympathetic character kehu kwan uh what a fantastic you know 12 months he had coming back winning an oscar for everything everywhere all at once and now Mm, one of the standouts in loki season to but uh my mvp from that entire series has to be tara strong who provides the voice of ms minutes i'm not mm. gonna, i don't want to spoiler it for anyone but uh, who knew that an animated clock could be just such a, benevol- <laughs> a benevolent character in the mcu <laughs> so ted lasso unfortunately you're gonna have to get an apple tv plus subscription but many of you are probably getting apple products this year sign up for the six month deal and get it for free and uh, with regards to loki it is currently on disney plus and there is my boy roy kent there he is thank you that thank is- you <laughs> Brett Goldstein and me and my friends pointing at his crotch after a very entertaining show at the Fringe about 10 years ago. Before he was famous, people. Before he was famous. Oh, was that pre... Uh, that would have been pre-Drifters then, wouldn't it? I, I remember yeah, seeing oh, him for no, the first was, time in that... I don't think he'd done any TV. He was like stand-up, you know, at that point. So there you go. Um, but yes, thank you, Benji. Brett Goldstein's had a pretty good year as well because he also wrote Shrinking with uh, oh, yes. Harrison Ford Mike- and Jason yes. Segel, which was another Apple TV. I was going to say Michael Douglas for some reason. No, Harrison Ford, absolutely. So yeah, more yeah, please, yeah. Brett. Okay. More please, sir. Thank you. Yeah, 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 absolutely. The rise and rise of Brett Goldstein. Okay, that is amazing. I feel like we're running out of time, which is a shame because we could talk about all these things for much longer. But honourable mentions time. Stephen, give us two or three honourable mentions. Don't go into any details. Literally the names. Blue lights, 100%. Best interest. Always on mine. Okay, yeah. Four of the House of Usher and Top Bond. Oh, very good. Okay. What about you, Benji? It'll be uh, Monarch, Legacy of Monsters, the Castlevania Nocturne series. And uh, okay. one more. Sod it. I quite enjoyed what I watched of I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here this year. Oh, it's not no! something I'd probably go into again, but for research purposes. <laughs> sorry, Mum, I'm coming oh, home this Christmas, a changed man. That's hilarious. I actually dropped I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here. I enjoyed Big Brother this year, though, I have to say. And The Gallows Pole from Shane Meadows and Colin from Accounts and Happy Valley. There you go, people. What a year. 
we're looking forward to 2024 with much Augusto as well and next week we will be here to tell you all about the big shows that are coming in 2024 some of them we'll have dates for some of them we won't for most of them but we'll know they're coming thankfully even amidst all the strikes and crazy stuff that went on this year so we want to say thank you so much for watching we will be back next week have a safe Christmas in the meantime and yeah keep listening share with your friends bye bye, bye. bye.